Oh, Jesus Christ, to you alone all praise belongs. You are exalted over all. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. You are the Son of God. You are the Son of Man. You are equal with God. You and the Father are one. And you are our King. The King of all kings. The King of majesty. The King of glory. The King of honor. The King of power. To you alone our praise belongs. Jesus Christ, please continue to manifest your presence here. Holy Spirit, come. Come and stir our hearts now to hear and come under willingly, humbly, eagerly the authority of your word. The word that gives life. The word that gives truth. The word that will prove true always. Oh, Lord, find a people that don't want to sit in their pride and entitlement anymore. Want to be changed. Don't want to keep living the way they are, just stuck in the muck and mire of sin of the flesh. God, to those who earnestly want to seek you here this morning, would you meet with them? We don't, don't, we don't want to be a church that just puts in time on a Sunday morning. Oh, Lord, let us find those right now who want to earnestly seek you among us, Lord, and meet with them, I pray. Fill my mouth, say what you want to say, guard it from error, and do what you want to do for the glory of your name. Church, if you agree, you say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, today we're continuing on in our series called The Gospel of John, Life in the Sun. And so let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 5. John 5, verses 19 to 29. And for those of you who do not have a copy of God's Word, raise up your hand. Our ushers are coming forward. Right now we want to put a copy of God's Word in your lap so you can follow along. We've been going verse by verse, line by line, through this beautiful gospel. And we're going through verses 19 to 29 today. And they are on page 519 in those Bibles that are being handed out. Well, as you turn there, I have a question for you. And it is this. I want you to think about it there. Who do you believe Jesus truly is? Not what you heard sometime in Sunday school. Not what you hear on the street. Not what you hear on the pages of Time magazine. Not what you hear in your workplace. I'm talking about this is between you and the Lord today. Who do you believe Jesus truly is. Jesus asked this same question to his disciples in Matthew 16, 15. He says, but that's who everyone else says I am, but who do you say I am? Who is Jesus to you? Think about that for a moment. Is he just a name? Some of us, we've got a lot of people here and come from a lot of, a lot of backgrounds. Some of you may be saying, as is popular in society today, well, he's just a man. Jesus was just another historical guy. Some of you might be saying, well, he's a prophet. He's not God. He's, he's a prophet, though. And he, he might have been in the form of God, some of you may think. Or he might be one of many gods. He's just another god on the buffet of divinity. Maybe some of us will say, well, he was just a teacher. He gave some good moral principles that if we live by them, eh, 
it should turn out okay. Some of you may be here and you may be saying, I don't believe this whole Jesus thing. Jesus didn't exist. Or some of you may be flippant and echo the words of those t-shirts I see around, Jesus is my homie. He's like my bro and he hooks me up when I need him. He's the big guy upstairs. Is that who Jesus is to you? Buds. And you say, well, why, why is it important that this question gets answered correctly? Because here's the truth, ready? We're going to see this today. Jesus has declared who he is. He's made it so crystal clear who he is. And we must not only understand who he is, who he says he is, But we must decide, today, you and I are going to be confronted with a decision, just like these religious leaders are. We must decide how we're going to respond to the truth of who Jesus says he is. And you say, well, that's just one guy. Anyone can declare they're anyone. Next week, we're going to get to the courtroom scene and the witnesses. So that's not going to last long, that argument. So, we need to decide how to respond to this. And and why? Because here's the truth, loved ones. Our lives both now in the temporal and our lives in eternity depend on our answer to that question. Who is Jesus to you? Your life now and in eternity depend on that question being answered correctly or not. See, Jesus' declaration of what we are about to look at Jesus' declaration leads to our confrontation. His declaration leads to our confrontation of this. Will I accept the truth of who he is or will I reject it? That's your confrontation today. Will you accept the truth of who he is or will you reject it? There's no middle ground. Well, maybe uh, get around to that later. Accept or reject? And so here in our context today we're going to pick up the story in John chapter 5 and Jesus has just healed a lame man of 38 years this guy was crippled for 38 years beside the pool of Bethesda and he's then confronted by Jesus is confronted by the religious leaders with whom he declared that he is the Lord over all who is equal with God he said I am God But the Jews, much like society today, they don't like this. Who are you to say you're the only true God? Look at what they say in verse 18. Just back up a verse. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath by healing the man on it, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. You see, and in response to the increasing hostility of these religious leaders now, Jesus moves from a demonstration of his lordship in healing this man now to a declaration of his lordship. He moves from a demonstration in the healing now to a declaration of his lordship of how he is equal with God and has been given all authority from him. And these 11 verses, loved ones, Highlight these in your Bible. These 
are some of the clearest statements Christ makes of his lordship and his equality with God in all of the New Testament. He's pulling no punches here with these religious leaders, and we need to pay attention. And so here in our text today, we're going to see two crucial truths that you and I, no one's exempt from this, you and I must embrace if we are to understand rightly the truth of who Jesus is and answer the question of how will I respond to him? Will I receive him today or reject him? That's what we're confronted with. Let's stand to honor the authority of God's word as we read our text today. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 19, the authority of the Son. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, the first truth that we see declared here is that Jesus declares he is equal with God in ability. In ability. He does the works of God. And the question that we're confronted with by this first truth we see is this. Eternal life is found only through Jesus Christ. Will I hear his word and believe? Will I hear his word and believe? Look again at 19 to 21. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. See, in the face of rising opposition against him, Jesus begins his defense of his lordship. This week and next week, it's like a courtroom scene that's going on. He begins his defense of his lordship with an emphatic, what does he start it out with? Two words, truly, truly. Truly, truly. He says it three times in these 11 verses. 
And basically, I could sum it up in today's language, I mean, Jesus means business. Jesus means business. In the Greek, it, it's a very forceful and emphatic way of saying, I am telling you the truth. You need to listen and pay attention to what I'm about to say. I'm pretty sure when the king of kings tells us that, we need to, we need to straighten up. It's time to pay attention, religious leaders. It's time to pay attention, Hope Ottawa. And he says, he, as the Son of God, notice what follows after. He, as the Son of God, can do nothing that the Father doesn't do, but can only do what the Father does in both work and will. And look at the first part of 20, you see why. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. See, because the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. The, the word love there is phileo, which is, it expresses a unique, intimate kinship. The closest kinship you can get. The united intimacy with another. Beyond any human relational capacity, it's a united intimacy. And you say, well, wait a second. What do you mean? God the Father. So you said Jesus was God, but there's, there's God the Father, and then you're saying he's, he's the Son of God. How does that make him equal with God? We've got to get our theology right. So let's get a solid, rock-solid theology of God. And here's what I would say. Get your pens ready to write this down. Okay? Let's get some good theology of God. Okay. Number one, there's one God. One God. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is One. There is only one God. Now, here's the thing. This one God exists in three distinct persons, fully equal, all as God. The persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus gives the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All of them are equal with God, but they've been given different roles. They have different roles. Fully God, all of them. It's not like the Holy Spirit is less than God the Father. Jesus is less than, than God the Father. No, 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 no. All of them are fully God, fully equally God, but yet given three distinct roles. And so what are the roles? The Father. He sent the Son, 1 John 4.10. He sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. The Father sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to be the Savior, to die for your sin and mine. It was the Father's will, yet totally united with Christ's will. It wasn't like the Father's like, you need to go, and Christ was like, oh, do I really have to? He's like, no, they're united. He and the Father, John 10, 30 says, are one. God's will is Christ's will. That's why they do the same, work and will. So God the Father sends the Son, so what's the role of God the Son? As he willingly submitted to the Father's will, he became fully God and fully man. John 1, 14 says, The Word, that is Jesus Christ, became flesh, incarnation, and dwelt among us. So the role of the Son was to be the Savior of the world, taking on flesh. And so he became fully God and fully man. Here's what else he did. He lived a perfect life. 2 Corinthians 5.21. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. He didn't know any sin. Jesus lived a perfect life. He didn't sin once in his life. 
And you say, well, how did he become sin? Because he took the wrath of God. He took on the sin of the world, your sin and mine. Every sin you will have done, you are doing or will do. Same with me. On him, on that cross, he took the wrath of God and paid the penalty for our sin. 1 Peter 3.18. And he died on that cross. It wasn't like he just stopped breathing. He didn't just become unconscious. He wasn't just a spirit on the cross. He was fully God and fully man. And he died and went into a tomb and rose again three days later. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 4 and 57. He rose again three days later. I put these references on here so you can study this when you go home. And get these into your heart because you will be tested on these with opposition. I guarantee it. He rose again three days later. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father where he is sitting now. But he didn't just leave us alone. I love this. Jesus actually said in John 16, it's better if I go. It's better if I leave you, he says to his disciples. Why? Because then he can send us the helper. There's the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity. God, the Holy Spirit. He was sent by the Son, John 16, 7 says. He was sent by the Son to be our helper, to be our counselor, to be our comforter, to empower us and live in us for godly living. I love Romans 8, 13. It says, if you live by the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you will have life. And upon salvation in Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, as an inheritance of our salvation. If we're not personally saved in Jesus Christ, we don't have him. Because he's given to us upon salvation at that moment. And so the role of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into all truth. The truth, he helps us understand what God's word says. He leads us in wisdom and his mission, we have to understand, there's so much confusion about this today. The mission of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus Christ, not take glory from him. John 16, 13 to 14 makes that so clear. Jesus says, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He will take the truth of my word. He will make it clear for you and you will glorify me. That's the mission of the Spirit. One God, three distinct persons. There, I'm really glad we could sum up like 2,000 plus years of theology on one slide. Praise the Lord. All right, But we have to recall something here. In verse 17, by the way, I, if, you're, if you're a Christian here, and, and like a true Christian, and you've heard this before, are you still in awe of this? Or is this just water off your... Yeah, I get it, I get it. I, you don't get it, if that's your response. Your theology's off. Because good theology will always lead us to awe. An awe of our awesome... God. And then in verse 17, go up one more verse in John 5. Jesus declared he was the son of God. He says, but Jesus answered them, my father's working until now, so I'm working. And now he's stating, and now we can understand with right theology, now we're understanding that because he's the son of God, which makes him God himself, because he's equal with God. God. 
One God, three distinct persons, fully equal, different roles. That's why he can say, I'm equal with God. I'm the son of God, which makes him equal with God. So we have to understand, Jesus isn't stating here, he's some rogue child. You know, he's like parents. It's like, well, you want to emulate the parents? Well, the kid's going to do his own thing and kind of disobey, whatever. Jesus is like, my father and I, we're completely equal. We are one. His work is my work. His will is my will. I'm not just going to do what I feel like, but the picture he's giving here is like a divine apprenticeship. I love that. It's a divine apprenticeship. He goes, I see what my father's doing. I see his works, and I do those works perfectly in will of the same accord. When he works, God's working. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Keep reading verse 20. This is beautiful, beautiful. Back, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Here it is, ready? And, love the and. And greater works than these will he show him, will the Father show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. See, Jesus looks right at the leaders there in this statement. Here it goes. All the gloves come off right here. Jesus looks right at the leaders in this statement, and he says, you think, you think these works, what's these works he's talking about? The healing of the lame man. You think me healing this guy beside a pool and giving him his legs back's a big deal? You haven't seen the half of it. My father's showing me greater works than these. He's not going to give new legs. I'm not going to give, stop at giving new legs. I'm going to give new life. I'm not going to just sit here. You think it's a big deal. This guy got healed. That's just a demonstration. There's greater works coming. I'm not out to just give new legs. I'm out to give new life. And here's the greatest work that you're going to marvel at is the fact that I am going to give my own life and be resurrected. You think the man's leg's a big deal? I'm not going to stop at changing legs. I'm going to change hearts. I'm going to change lives by my power. And I'm going to give life to whom I will because I have the authority to do that. I am equal with God. That's amazing. And just like that father raises the spiritually dead and brings them to life, I'm going to raise people from spiritual death to spiritual life, he says in verse 21. And you will marvel at it. To marvel means you will be amazed when that tomb's empty. When souls come out of the tombs, you will be amazed when lives are made new. And you may be asking this. Again, lots of people here, different backgrounds. You may be asking this. Well, how can, how can Jesus do this? How can he give new life to whom he will? Spiritual life to whom he will. Eternal life. How can this even happen? Well, well. Look at the parallel passage, starting in verse 26. He tells us, For as the Father has life in himself, so there's God the Father, he's got the ability to give life, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. See, life in himself, we have to understand, God has existed from all eternity past. God is not created by anything. And if Jesus is God, what does that make Jesus? uncreated. Just read the very first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, 
God. Nuff said. God has existed from eternity past. And Jesus is also uncreated and with the Father in the beginning. You say, how do you know he was with the Father in the beginning? It just says in the beginning, God. Just go to John 1, 1 to 2. In the beginning was the Word. The Word is Jesus Christ, the Word of God. And he was with God. There it is. United in him is he, but he was God. One God three distinct persons. And so the truth is this. You can take the best scientist, they tell you the same thing. People think science and faith are like opposed to each other. Actually, no, God's given science as a beautiful tool to show his awesomeness through. As this gets proved, listen, you can talk to any scientist you want and they will come to the same conclusion. The only one who can impart life is the one who inherently possesses it. The only one who can impart life is the one who inherently possesses it and did not need to be created himself. He is the giver of all life. If he was, if he was created, then someone else had to be the giver of life. And you can go on about big bangs and you can go on all this other stuff. Listen, there's a big God. The only one who can give life is the one who inherently possesses it. And God the Father granted the Son to give spiritual life to those who believe in him as part of his role. And so just look around today. And just look around today. Is this the truth that we hear? Is this the truth? Like, let's be honest. No. No. It's not the truth we hear. We are told constantly, look at the internet, look at magazines, look at your classrooms in school. We're told you can find true life, even eternal life with God, in different places and through different practices. You don't need Jesus. You don't need Jesus to find life. You can find life in different religions. You can worship who you want. You can believe whatever you want to believe about Jesus. Because here's the truth. All roads lead to heaven. Right? Even though Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to God but by me. Well, you believe what you want. Because our, here's another truth we see just thriving in deceptive, deceived hearts today. Aren't all gods, quote unquote, all these different gods we hear about, aren't they just the same God, just different names for them? No. No, they are not. Some people think, oh, I can get to, I don't need Jesus for eternal life. I can go to different religions. Or here's another one. I can use good works. I can get to God through good works. If I work hard enough to be a good person, I'll earn favor with God and be saved. He'll, he'll have to accept me. He goes, yeah, I see you do these things for the poor. I see you do all the, oh, okay, you're better than the next guy. Okay, maybe I'll make an exception and you come in. It doesn't work like that. You cannot find eternal life, true life, through your works. That is a lie. All of these things are a lie from hell. And Jesus makes it so clear right here in verse 21. Circle verse 21. He makes it so clear that only the Son, only he himself gives life. Nothing or no one else in this world can give that to you. Life is through him. And you may say this. Wait a second, if life's only in Christ, but like, I, 
how do, I, how do I receive eternal life? Praise the Lord, he tells us. He doesn't just drop this and then leave us. Look at 24 and 25. Jesus says this, truly, truly, I say to you, I love that statement, I say to you, he goes, forget what other people say, here's what the king of kings says. I say to you, truly, truly, pay attention, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And look at 25, he says it again, pay attention, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. The spiritually dead will hear the voice of God through the word of God and will live. You see, the word hears means the spiritually dead, those walking in their sin, never trusting in Christ as their savior. They don't understand that. They will hear Christ's voice through his word. This is why Luke 10 says, through the faithful, sound doctrine, preaching of his word, when you hear this, you hear the Lord. When they hear you, he's telling his disciples, the preachers of his word, you will, they will hear me. You hear the voice of God through the word of God. He says, if you hear this right now and you believe, the word believe there is not just, yeah, I believe some guy Jesus existed a little while ago. Yeah, I believe he had his following and he was kind of like a firecracker, went up but came down real hard. No, no, no. The word believe there is this. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he is God Almighty himself. I believe he is equal with God. I believe he is the Lord and only savior of the world. And I believe he did what he said he did and he came and died for me to pay the penalty of my sin. And I'm confessing him as Lord and savior and surrendering my life to him. And look at the result. Oh, look at the beautiful result. Verse 24, go back to the text. He says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, what? Has eternal Life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Notice it. He has eternal life now. We get a glimpse of it now. But he has eternal life for all eternity with Christ when we will realize it in full. And he's passed from spiritual death to spiritual life. And he will never be, that's what he's talking about here. He will never come into judgment. That means he will never be condemned in hell for his sin. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17, Josh read it earlier in our worship set, you'll see it on the screen, said, therefore, based on this truth, if anyone is in Christ, not just, well, I know about Christ, is in Christ, personal relationship, they've heard the preaching of God's word, they've heard God's voice through God's word, and says, yes, God, I need you. The spiritual blinders come off by the power of the Holy Spirit. He illuminates it, and if anyone is in Christ, repenting of their sin, confessing of a Savior. He's a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And you know what's awesome about when Jesus makes us a new creation? He doesn't just give you a facelift on your old self. He's not just giving you a little wax job, maybe clear up some dents, some scars. He's making you a new creation. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, he takes your, your heart of stone and my heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. 
And it transforms us increasingly more into the image of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus makes it very clear right here that eternal life is found only through him. Here's the question, first confrontation we are confronted with today. Will you hear his word and believe? As for someone in this room today, you are not saved and you came in here and you think you're here because your friend dragged you here with the promise of some lunch afterwards. Listen, Lord Almighty brought you here. He is sovereign. He is king. And if he's brought you here, he has a word for you here. And the question is, will you hear his word and believe? Believers, just pray for that right now. Believers, pray for that right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, open the eyes of the blind that they would pass from death to life. See, this is the question the truth of Jesus confronts us with. Will you believe? And if you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, you've just been buying into this whole mentality of, well, I don't need Jesus. I got all this stuff. That's garbage, loved one. That is meant to deceive you. Hebrews 3 says so clearly that today when you hear his voice through his word, when you hear his voice, he wasn't just speaking to religious leaders back when, he's speaking to you and me today. And when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart and say, well, yeah, but truly, truly, he says to us. Believers, if you've made that decision, you're like, great, no application for me here. Uh, Here's the reality. Don't think I don't know you're thinking that. Here's the reality. What are you seeking life in that can only be found in Christ? What are you seeking life in, Christians, that can only be found in Christ? Maybe some of you, it's relationships. If I just get that relationship, if I just have enough friends on Facebook, if I just get a spouse, if I just have kids, if I just... Are you just trying to find life in that? You don't want to heap those expectations on those people. Trust me. It will come crashing down. Maybe you're trying to find life in rest. If I just get more rest, if I just get more rest, then I'm going to find life. If I just get more rest, Jesus is like, your rest is in me. I'm your comfort zone. Will you come? Your rest that you need is not strictly physical. It's rest of the soul. Maybe for some of us, it's control. I'm trying to find life in controlling my schedule. I'm trying to find life in controlling doing things, what I want, when I want, and how I want to do that. I'm finding life. You won't find it. I'm finding, trying to find life in my money and possessions. If I just have a big enough bank account, then somehow I'm going to be okay. Listen, it's going to bottom out, loved one. Every single time. I'm, maybe for some of us in my heart was praying for you specifically this week. Maybe you're here and you're like, I'm trying to find life in other paths. I've heard the truth of God's word. I've heard who Jesus is. But now I'm starting, and maybe I even made a profession of faith before. But now I'm starting to doubt. Now the, the, the other demonic religions of the world are coming in and I'm starting to, well, maybe they could do that and I'm starting to drift and you're starting to hear the word of the Lord. Truly, truly, loved one. Listen, take those doubts to Jesus Christ. Take them to Christ and say, you need to show me, are you who you really say you are? He is big enough to handle that. Don't fall for the lies. Don't get tossed by every wind and whiff of so-called godly wisdom out there. What does Jesus say in his word? And if that's you here today, bring them to him. And the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth if you really want to see it.
Jesus declares he's equal with God in ability. He does the works of God. But also, he's equal with God. Last point for today is this. He's equal with God in authority. Ability has to come from an authority. He's equal with God in authority. He executes the judgment of God. And the question we're confronted with from this last part of the text is this. Jesus Christ will judge all people. Will I honor him or reject him? Jesus Christ will judge all people. Will I honor him or reject him? Look at verse 22. Let's read. Verse 22. The father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. See, Jesus now declares his equality with God by declaring that he has all authority. He has the full authority of God. That was given to him by the Father. The word judgment there, if you circle that, the word judgment there means the one who has ultimate authority, the one who has ultimate power, the one who has ultimate jurisdiction. And who at the final judgment, when every single person stands before Christ, you and me and every, every other person who's ever lived, he judges who will be condemned for their sin for rejecting him as Savior, and who will be given life with him for eternity. And who are that? All who have received him. That day is unavoidable. That day is coming. Quickly. And notice here in verse 23 why God gave him all authority to judge. Look at 23. The father judges no one but has given all judgment to the son. Why? That all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Here's the critical truth we see from this. That word honor there means to show reverence or to worship. That's huge. Think about this. Whoever is not worshiping Jesus Christ as God is not worshiping the true God. That statement changes everything. Now, let's break this down. Make it absolutely crystal clear. Here's the truth summed up from this verse right here. If you don't honor Christ as Lord, you can't honor the one true God as Lord. It's impossible. Full stop. Full stop. Let's breathe a little bit. Good one, whoever did it. Great. Here's the reality. Great. So here, here's the reality. This is the critical truth. We have to understand this. Ready? This is the critical truth that separates all true worship from false worship. Right here. Circle this verse. It separates all true worship from false worship. And the question is, do they worship Christ as Lord? Now look around today. We live in a pluralistic world that has a very different agenda than what Christ says right here, don't we? Saying you can honor God through worship of different things and different religions. Different practices, different principles. And not honor or worship Jesus as the one true God. 
He d- we live in a world that says Jesus doesn't need to be the focus of your worship. He doesn't need to be the central piece that Christ himself, the King of Kings, just said. It has to be that way. Or it's not true worship. It's demonic. He says you, you don't need Jesus as the central piece of worship. Did you ever notice this? This is so embedded in our culture. Lots of people are willing to talk about God, right? But what happens when you mention the name Jesus all of a sudden as God? Now the conversation turns a bit sour. Who are you to say there's one true God? Who are you to think that's the only way? Who are you to say my worship doesn't exalt the true God if Christ isn't the center of it? Any person or religion that claims you can truly worship God without having Christ as a focus is a lie. It's as serious as it gets. And this is why here, this is why here, as one of your elders and as your senior pastor, I will say this. This is why here, at this little outpost of the kingdom of heaven, Hope Ottawa, we are just absolutely committed when we have given our lives to having Christ as the central piece in all of our worship, whether it's through the singing on Sunday, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through the preaching of God's word, whether it's through the fellowship. We are just committed to having Christ at the center because that is where he needs to be because God said so. He is the Son of God who is the one true God, and as we honor him, we are honoring the Lord. And look at it. Verse 27 states, skip down a bit, further clarity on why God the Father has given the Son all authority. Look at 27. He says this, and he has given him authority to execute judgment. Why? Why is Jesus the ultimate authority? Right here. Because he is the Son of Man. What does that term, Son of Man, mean? It means this. God the Father turned judgment over to the Son because through the incarnation, God becoming a man, Jesus Christ becoming a man, Christ experienced what it means to be human. And so he's turned the judgment of humanity over to him. Christ became a man. This should blow our minds to experience the same trials you are facing, the same suffering you and I are facing, to go through the hardships, to be tempted in the same ways and yet be without sin, Hebrews 4.15 tells us. And so as such, because of that, we have no excuses. We have no excuses. We can't say, well, God, how can you make Jesus the judge? I mean, you don't know what it's like to be a human. God is spirit. You don't know what it's like to be a human. Sure, you created him, but you never lived like one. Wrong. He did. You can't say, God, you can't hold us to your standard because we're down here and you're up there. He fulfilled the standard. Perfectly. He does know, and he never rejected God the Father by sinning. And he has full authority to judge man because he became one. This is why Jesus is the judge of what is right and wrong, and you and I are not. This is why 
Truth, this is why right and wrong are not relative. Truth is not adjusted because we're in the 21st century. Jesus Christ's standard has not changed. The absolute truth has not changed just because culture thinks it should. He is the judge. He is the standard. And Christ is the judge that faithfully upholds the standard both now and when we stand before him. And he's not going to change just because we're in the 21st century. And he tells us, look what he tells, look how he finishes 28 and 29. He says, do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. So he talked about spiritual resurrection earlier. Believe and you will be given life. Now he's talking about a physical resurrection. Look at this. Each of our physical resurrection. You're like, what does my future look like? Here it is. Ready? 28 and 29. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, and those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. See, Christ tells these religious leaders, do not be surprised that I have all authority to judge. Don't be surprised by this, because the time is coming quickly when I am coming back, and by my authority, listen to this, I will command those in the tombs. The word tomb there means grave. There's a grave. Those who've died and are under the ground right now, decaying. There's a time coming very quickly when I'm going to call them out. I'm going to call them to come out and stand before me. And those who have done good will be resurrected to life with me for eternity. While those who've done evil and rejected me as their Lord and Savior will be resurrected to judgment. What is that? The penalty for our sin. Condemnation in hell for eternity because they have rejected him and they will be separated from me for eternity like think about that picture that he finishes right there with like think about this every person who's ever died not even those ones living but he's talking about the death right now those dead every person who's ever died in history those tombs are going to open up when Jesus comes from the clouds And he's going to say, get up. And at that moment, because of his authority, because of his power, every tomb is going to be emptied. Are you, you, I don't know how you can drive by another graveyard and not look at it differently now. We were doing that on the way to church this morning. You're coming up. You're coming up. Here you go. You're coming. Because the king's coming. That's staggering. Now, let's get some clarity. What Jesus is not saying here, you say, well, I thought salvation was a gift of grace. I thought I had to believe what it says it works. I got those who have done good. Are we saved by works? Jesus is not saying we're saved by works. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 tells us that. But he is saying that those who have believed in him as their Lord and Savior, repented of their sin and confessed him, by his power, they will live lives of increasing honor of worship and obedience to him. Increasing good works, obedience to God's word are the fruit of salvation, not the root of salvation. 
Good works are the fruit. If your life has been changed, good works will be the fruit of that. It's not going to be like, oh, okay, now all my sins conquered the next day. No, there's a progression. But he who called us is faithful, and he's going to do his work on us till we get to eternity. And it will be increasingly more evident in our lives. The good works of honoring Christ. Last question. Jesus Christ will judge all people. Will you honor him or reject him? That's coming. Jesus Christ will judge all people. And you can scoff at it right now if you want. You can, and it's not for me. Oh, get, loved one, hear, truly, truly. Truly, truly, hear the word of the Lord and do not harden your heart. Because Jesus has declared his equality with God in his ability by doing the works of God and in his authority in executing the judgment of God. And he, here's my plea to you this morning as a pastor that loves you so much. Hope Ottawa, you can choose now to bow and honor the Lord. Or on this day, when that word is spoken, come out, you will bow. But at that time, it's going to be too late for you. And if you're here and you've never confessed Christ, your first step is to repent of your sin and receive him as your Lord and Savior. I hope that's so clear right now. We have no hope without him. He loves you and he's patient right now in coming back because it's not his desire that any would perish. 2 Peter 3.9 tells us that. And if you're here and you're a Christian, you've, you've confessed him. Hey, let me ask you the question. Where are you not honoring him in your obedience to him? What are you worshiping that's taking his place? Maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's your desire for status. What other things have you brought in that have your affection and worship and honor that aren't him? And where are you not submitting to him as the authority over your life and walking in unrighteousness? Will you repent? Because the same question we started with, we finish it, and this is it. How will you respond to Jesus? Let's pray. Jesus Christ, your word is so clear. Your word is powerful. You are so loving and kind. The Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him, you don't have to clean yourself up, whoever believes in him right now, in their sin, in their brokenness, in all of this, in their affliction, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God, right now, I plead with you by your mercy, open the eyes that are blind. Confirm the truth by the Holy Spirit into our hearts. And for those of us that have made this decision as well, I pray on the altar of our praise there would be no other name. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. May that be the heartbeat of this church, the cry of this church. You would be honored and we would honor the Father through that. In Jesus' name.